Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. Joining me on today's show to break down how the Atlanta Falcons have looked through their first two weeks, as well as Sunday's matchup against the one-on-one Detroit Lions, will be Joe Patrick, who covers the Falcons for 92.9 The Game here in Atlanta. So I had a great conversation with Joe, who I really got to know for the first time up here uh, in training camp this year. And I had some great conversations. I'd obviously known uh, of his work just from being in the city and listening to the radio. Uh, he was very gracious about you know saying how much he liked this show. So I guess it was a win-win for both sides because I thought it turned into a really, really fun conversation just about kind of the biggest topics surrounding our Atlanta Falcons uh, through the first two weeks. How has Desmond Ritter looked? Are we more concerned about some of the slow starts that he's had or more impressed by the poise that he's shown late in in these games, especially delivering late in the fourth quarter against Green Bay? Of course, we had nothing bad to say about Bajan Robinson, who has looked as advertised and better. I mean, this guy is already second in the NFL uh, in rushing yards behind Christian McCaffrey, who is just, I mean, uh, how are we not just talking about Christian McCaffrey all the time? Oh my gosh, what he's doing is incredible. So we'll put that aside because this is an 49ers podcast. But all of the uh, the big topics surrounding the team, Joe and I touched on. Um, so it was kind of a, a great little grab bag. And then we touched on the uh, the Lions at the tail end. Um, so that is the bulk of today's show. I'm going to get to uh, some of the Falcons injuries and the good news there in one second. But first, football is back and Bet Online is the number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores and matchup breakdowns you need. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so I mentioned uh, some of the injury news that I want to touch on for the Falcons. It's all positive, you guys. Cordero Patterson, not even listed on the injury report after being a full participant last week, which is excellent news. That means it's essentially guaranteed uh, that he'll play on Sunday unless the Falcons have some other very good reason to not put him out there. But he should be making his Falcons debut this Sunday against Detroit. Jeff Okuda, who has been out for Atlanta really since sustaining that ankle injury early in training camp, was a full participant on Wednesday for the uh, first time, I believe. So that is another great sign. Maybe he'll be back out there on the field against his former team. That's going to be a kind of fun storyline if, if that were to take place. And then Troy Anderson, who missed the Packers game because he was in the or concussion protocol. Uh, he was also a full participant on Wednesday for the Falcons. So it looks like they are getting everybody back at the right time after already starting, starting two and zero to then go for your first road game, potentially completely healthy 
is huge. So uh, again, don't want to jinx anything. So I'm going to kind of leave it right there. But all the uh, all the positives are kind of shining down on the Falcons right now uh, from an injury standpoint. Before we get into my conversation with Joe, I did just uh, want to do something quick and hopefully fun. But I looked at uh, at some notable team stats or at least some stats for about the Falcons that caught my eye through the first two games. Now, obviously, this is a very small sample size, and maybe it's something that I will only continue to do kind of on a quarterly basis. So the first four games, the second set of four games, third set, and then maybe the like, well, that'll be the end of the season. We won't really care at the end unless we do a season wrap up stat show. Um, maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to brainstorm on the podcast. So what we're going to do is basically just to buy or sell, look at some stats that caught my eye. And I'm going to let you know which ones I think are legit and I'm buying and then which ones I think will t- change, turn around, however you want to frame it. Uh, and I'm going to sell those. So we'll start with the buys. Uh, first one, they are currently fourth in rushing attempts, yards and yards per attempt. Not a surprise yet. Fourth in the first two, you're going to be fourth in the uh, third one more than likely. But that is something that I'm totally buying. Why am I buying? Well, just look last year. I mean, they are a run first team. Uh, they will continue to be a run first team. I do believe they want to be more than that. And they do want to show more balance. But you can't deny when the chips have been down these first two games, the Falcons have turned to their run run game. I mean, this is the identity of this offense. So yes, I'm buying that that is going to be continuing uh, that they will stay very, very high and probably in the top five for most of, if not all of the season um, in terms of rushing attempts, yards and yards per attempt. Yeah, the first one I'm selling 17 points per game allowed, which is tied for eighth through the first two games. I'm selling that one because, well, on the one hand, you have Bryce Young, who is making his very first start in the NFL as, as one of your two quarterbacks. Then you have Jordan Love, who is also relatively inexperienced as a starter uh, in the NFL. And while I think the Falcons defense has played much better than a lot of people uh, expected, I kind of expected them to play well. There have still been some concerns that I think have been papered over for one reason or another, whether it be a penalty that overturns something, whether it be maybe a missed penalty or just a, a slight overthrow, you know, what have you, the other team maybe making a mistake that have not shot the Falcons um, in the foot. So 17 points is just a pretty low number in the NFL. I think the Falcons defense will be good. I don't think they're going to be that good throughout the entirety of the season. Another buy, second in passing yards allowed per game and per play. The Falcons pass defense right now statistically is awesome. I'm buying it because I do think they're going to continue to be pretty good this year. I don't think they're necessarily going to be top two I think they could probably be finished like top eight, top 10. And, you know, right now that's kind of why I'm buying it is I think they're going to continue to be good. Like, I think that if Jeff Okuda comes back, I'm not saying in the first game back that he's going to be lights out, but I do think he's an upgrade over what you've got right now with Trey Flowers, who was a little concerning last week. Uh, D. Alford also, who I really like. You guys know that, but he didn't have his best game. AJ Terrell looks awesome. Jesse Bates looks awesome. Richie Grant kind of looks like Richie Grant, but. I'll take that. And I really just think the pass defense has a lot to do with the defense as a whole schematically. And that is continuity that is going to carry over from game to game because the coaching staff isn't, isn't going anywhere. So 
I kind of trust this coaching staff and Jerry Gray and what Ryan Nielsen and he are doing together. So that is why I, I buy that this pass defense is going to be pretty legit this year. Um, second sell, 17 receptions per game on offense that is 30th. I think the number is going to tick up. Like I said, I don't think this team wants to be as run heavy as they have been. I think they want to become more balanced as Desmond Ritter you know, kind of settles in and, and gets a little bit more confidence. I think on Sundays, that number is going to creep up as well. The third buy, they are 34.78% third downs converted against. So defensively, they are doing a great job on third down. They are currently 11th in conversion rate against. So that is something where you look, again, scheme-wise, they have guys moving every single play. People are running around. Offenses just can't really get a read on what Atlanta's defense is doing. And I think that's always going to kind of give Atlanta the upper hand. A lot of defenses are read and react. I like to think that Atlanta is kind of throwing the first punch and trying to make the offense react to them. So I do think that kind of gives them an advantage on some of these key situational money downs, like a third down. So that is why I think you're going to continue to see the Falcons be pretty good defensively on third down. Uh, Third sell, third in total yards, a lot of thirds, guys, sorry. They're third in total yards per game and per play allowed. I'm selling that because I don't think their defense overall, even though they are second in passing yards allowed per game. And and when I say second and third, that's good, guys. That's not like the second most. That is the second least. So they are third least in total yards per game per play allowed. I don't think that's going to continue. Again, I pointed out the quarterbacks they played. They've been in some tight games. They have done a really good job of of kind of bogging down some of these games. The Falcons do a good job of kind of getting into a fist fight with their opponent and getting them a little bit out of their rhythm. But I just don't think the Falcons defense overall is going to be that good. A lot of that has to do with their pass defense. I think the pass defense is just going to take a slight tick back. And when that does, I think you're going to see the total yards because their run defense is not great fall even further than their pass defense. So that is why I'm selling their total yards uh, allowed as opposed to buying their uh, their passing yards allowed. Let's just so we end on a buy. I'm going to finish right here uh, with a sell. The last of the four sells 32% conversion rate on third down offensively, which is 26th in the league. I think that's going to get better. Uh, I think the Falcons are a better team third down wise than that. They actually are pretty good in the red zone so far. And I think that those are two areas where, you know, you tend to see some commonality. This is a creative enough offense. This has enough moving pieces. It is diverse enough that they're going to get better um, and not be 26th third down uh, offensively. So that is the last sell that I have my final buy. And then we are going to get to my conversation with Joe Patrick of 92, nine, the game. They are 13th in red zone conversion rate. I just mentioned it, 62.5 conversion rate uh, once they get inside of the 20. I think that number is actually going to tick up. Uh, I know they struggled a little bit against Green Bay, but we may be overblowing that because by and large, they have been rock solid uh, down in the red area. So that has to continue, I think, in order for them to obviously continue their winning ways. I'm circling Jacksonville as maybe a big game where the red zone will come into play. But I think by and large, I've not been disappointed with what they've done down there. Even though there were moments in the Green Bay game you could point to and be like, okay, what are you doing here? Uh, I think they've been pretty good and I think they will continue to be pretty good down in the red zone. So 
Again, real quick, just stats from the first uh, two games that I noticed from a team standpoint. Let's get to my conversation right now with uh, Joe Patrick of 92.9 The Game. I am very excited to welcome in Joe Patrick, who does an excellent job cover the, covering the Atlanta Falcons for 92.9 The Game here in Atlanta. Joe, thank you so much for joining me, man. How you doing? Will, thanks for having me on. It's it's an honor to to come on and talk to you. Um, I listen to all your podcasts, and I think one of the reasons I like just talking football with you is because you come like the, the way that you come at the game is like solving football, um, yeah. which I think is like the most interesting way to approach sports. Like like how do you solve it? And of course, that's an unanswerable question, but that's the way that coaches approach it too. It's like how can we figure out this game the best way? possible so that we can have success and so it's been I think on that end really kind of interesting first couple of weeks here for the Falcons yeah I I just find that part of the game fascinating right because it's like we don't have any control over the moves that these teams make and I mean you can sit here and, and kind of debate all these hot takes and we can sit here and talk about like fun story and candidly I probably need to do more of that stuff I need <laughs> to ask people like all right who are your top five running backs you know just like kind of get so but that's not as exciting to me as like, how do you blend this science, this art, everything that goes into play calling? It's math. There's certain dimensions mm -hmm. on the field. And then all of that goes out the window as soon as the ball snapped because your your left guard just like stumbled right. a little bit as he's getting <laughs> yeah. into his pass set. So it's like the ultimate totally. uh, collision of just like intense homework and prep yeah. by these type A nerds who are just yeah. like so so insistent about every little thing that has to be right. And then you just have these dudes out there who have to make plays in four seconds. It's, it's the beauty of sports, right? It's like you can, yeah. from a, from a front office or general manager perspective, you try to put all the pieces in place. Arthur Smith is obviously trying to put these guys in a position to be successful, but then, yeah, once that ball is snapped, it comes down to these athletes and their ability to execute and kind of make us marvel, which we've, you know, seen once or twice here so far, you know, through a couple of weeks. So that's what, that's, what's great about sports. And it's what brings that kind of unpredictable nature to it. That makes us so excited to watch every Sunday, especially. Yeah. The ball can bounce any which way on any given snap. Uh, but luckily it has bounced the Falcons way more often than not uh, through the first two weeks, they are two and O although, you know, that last game against green Bay really, truly, could have gone. I was rewatching it and I'd almost forgotten that the very first drive for Green Bay ends with a delay of game on yeah. a field goal attempt that they yeah. never ended up attempting and yeah. you win by one point. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's crazy how the season has already unfolded. But what has been your kind of number one takeaway about this Atlanta Falcons team through two weeks? Well, I think yeah, there's so many ways you could take this, but I think the one thing um, that has just been so fun about this team is Bijan. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. and it's so simple, but the thing that I've, I'd been telling people through training camp and will, I know you were there to see him too. It's not just the production. Like that's not necessarily what it's about with Bijan from a fan standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint. It's just the way that he, I, so this is a phrase that's used in soccer, which I also cover, but he expresses himself when he plays the game. And that's like something <laughs> that you hear like yeah. with soccer play, like go out there and express yourself. There's a very unique nature and the way that he runs the ball and and just that's just fun to watch in and of itself like aside from how many yards he's picking up what he's doing for the team how he's being used in certain areas just watching the guy with the ball in his hand is 
it takes your breath away and you, and you never know what he's going to do with it. So I think that that's been like the most exciting thing for me just through two, through, through two games. But I think to carry on and make that point a little bit more broad, I think it's been really interesting to see what Arthur Smith is doing with this run game. Now that he has a talent like that and combining him with a running back like Tyler Algier, I was thinking about it during this green Bay game at one point it just seems like if they wanted to, they could run the ball every time because you, yeah. know, you could just give it to Bijan a couple of times and then you pound him with Algier a couple of times and then you could bring ba- you know, Bijan back and you could, it just seems like you could just do that endlessly. And then obviously there's other wrinkles that they can throw in, but um, it's just really fascinating to see what Arthur Smith is doing with this run game and the kind of broader cyclical nature of how that is becoming a much more effective tactic overall in the NFL. And I remember talking to some of the coaches last year, we were kind of asking about this, you know, is this a strategy? Is this an intentional strategy by the Falcons to, you know, you know what people zig when everybody's zagging, right? Like that's kind of like yeah. how it's been phrased. And I think that they are showing that they are definitely having some success in, in being able to do that. Now, I think a lot of it comes down to whether these backs are going to be able to stay healthy, whether this offensive line is going to be able to stay healthy, which they did for the most part throughout last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, you, I, it's hard to say that it's not working because they've been having so much success, not even just the first two wins this year, but to have gone seven and 10 last year. That was such yeah. an overperformance from from what teams uh, or from what people around the league thought this team was going to be. So I think that it's an, been an unequivocal success, to say the least. What was so apparent to me and stood out so starkly on Sunday against Green Bay was like they would have a drive where they'd throw the ball like twice, right? And I know on a lot of those drives, it kind of started with a pass. It also coincided with a penalty. So it's hard to kind of make sense of or separate those two things. But they would they would have these drives and usually they'd be like a three and out or it's like all right five plays and out or whatever and those were more of the pass heavy drives or where you felt like they were trying to get the passing game going mm-hmm. but then when it was crunch time they'd be like all right we're running the ball eight straight times yeah like yeah. and we'll yeah. mix in one Janu Smith screen in there but like no we're we're gonna get back down to business and it's it's just so interesting to me because I feel like in years past we would talk about like the smart people in football would talk about, all right, you need to establish the run, but you need to just establish the run so that your play action passing game really gets cooking. The The Falcons aren't just establishing the run to then like go to the pass. Like, all right, right we just got to get this out of the way. We got to do enough here, put enough piggies in the piggy bank to then be able to cash in on what we really want to do. The Falcons are like kind of doing it in reverse. They're like, all right, let's let's see what we can get going in this passing game, knowing that we can always just fall back on on the run game. Like that's just their fastball when you're behind in the count and you, you got to make some something happen. I mean, but Bajan Robinson, because I love the expressiveness that, you know, when you said he expresses himself when he runs or the way he plays, I kind of feel like. Michael Vick is the only other player that I really, it was like their signature style. And mm-hmm. it makes me think of like a, an amazing NBA point guard, right? How we look at them differently and you kind of compare, okay, well, Chris Paul plays this way. Well, John Morant plays this way. Well, Allen Iverson played this. And it's like just the little flourishes that they put on the game. Running back is probably the best position to do that just because you have the ball so much. And yet 
Bajan seems like he's a totally different, like he's like 2005 Reggie Bush is yeah. like the, the comparison that I feel like I can make. Yeah. Is there anybody in your mind like who you can even think of like this? I mean, people have been making the Lantani and Tomlinson comparison, mm-hmm. especially after this Green Bay game. But, you know, and I, I think that that's accurate. And it's it's certainly, you know, that's um, an amazing comparison to be able to make to a player. <laughs> right. But when I watch it, like even like Barry Sanders, like that, that's the kind of agility and body control that Bijan has that, you know, even like, yeah, someone, someone clipped a LaDainian Tomlinson, you know, run and, and kind of attached it to that, that one run that Bijan had against Green Bay where it was like a 19 yeah. yard carry or something where he's just like, he was like a slalom skier. And yeah. Was unbelievable. Like, psh, 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 and even, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And even on the LT, uh, clip he really only was making kind of like one cut like like Bijan made in that clip where Bijan made like four of them in one play mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's so many it's so many things it's the it's the physical agility it's but it's also I think most maybe even more impressive is the spatial awareness and yes. knowing where your own blockers are where opponents are coming from and how to use that momentum that they have against them in certain uh, times it's just it's it's just really spectacular. And again, I just hope he stays healthy. And I also hear well, it's he's such a special person too. Like yes, um yeah. the way that he's able to, been able to maintain a level of professionalism despite the amount of fame that he's acquired early on in his life and his adult life is really remarkable. And I remember talking to him um during I think it was rookie minicamp. Um, he had posted, there was, there was a clip that went out on Instagram. I forget who posted it, but he's working out with Jamar Chase. And so I was asking him about that. And I was thinking that his answer would kind of be, you know, it's great to be able to, you know, be around a professional like that or something, something like that. But what he really mm-hmm. got into was, um, yeah, it was really able, great to talk to, to Jamar to, um, you know, learn how to read safeties in coverage when I'm lined up out wide, how do how do how I can like, you know, give a nod on a certain route to help me create more space. It's like these very detailed, minute things that he really pays a lot of attention to. And that is what makes him such a great player. This is not just, I mean, part of it, a lot of it is, you know, just natural God given ability, but he has clearly worked so hard at his craft and not been distracted by any myriad of things that have come up through the success that he's created for himself in his life. So I think that that is the other, just like the cherry on the top that makes him so special is that he's, he's got this level of professionalism to him that allows him to be able to, to play at the level that we've seen so far. That's a beautiful story. And I mean, you and I are in the questions business, right? And you can often tell who does their homework, how knowledgeable somebody is based on the questions they ask the person in front of them. And I mean, I know I'll come away from a show sometimes and be like, yeah, yeah. One, one, your a game stuff today, dude, like you didn't ask the best questions. You didn't get the right stuff out. So for Bajan to come in there and say, yeah, like here's some very specific nuanced questions because I already know all that. I like, I did the reading. I, I, I got all that. I want to know this, this, and this. And not just like, oh, I'm just out here to learn and soak it all in, right? No, I came prepared. So that's awesome. I mean, he truly does seem 360 human being, athlete, like locker room guy. Like they nailed this pick. And the the other thing when you when you talk to him, he never goes to himself first with like with an answer. He's always deflecting the the success to the offensive line, to the blocking, you know, to to you know his his you know 
to God, frankly, he's always mentioning it. So like, it's like all these other things, like he'll mention himself last, you know, yeah. and that is all again, just a true testament to who he is as a character. Well, we mentioned him first and it's, uh, you know, for good reason, because he has really done uh, a lot to carry this offense. But the Falcons are going to need to get more from their passing game and from Desmond Ritter moving forward. And I think that has to start on Sunday against a pretty potent Lions team. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Through two games, more encouraged about Desmond Ritter's long-term prospects as the Falcons' starting quarterback, or discouraged, or about the exact same. I'm I'm definitely more encouraged. Um, maybe this is like an old school take, but I really do put a lot of value in kind of that winning mentality, the ability to just kind of pull it out of your butt when it doesn't <laughs> seem like the game is going the way that you want it to go. You know, um, he ha clearly has made some poor throws through the first couple games. And even like going back to his, his four starts last year. I mean, I remember he should have thrown a pick six against new Orleans when the team was down um, near mm -hmm. the goal line. He's just, he's made some boneheaded throws, but again, he's a rookie. And I feel like I, in some ways, I feel like the fact that he got the little bit of playing time last year and is coming into this year, like he is not a guy who's making his seventh start coming into this week. Like it, it, I feel like there's a perception that he should be a lot better, a lot more progressed um, than where he is. I still see him as a guy who's just making his seventh start in the league. And so mm -hmm. maybe it's just my, my, my priors are that he is going to make mistakes. Um, and it's actually fortunate for him. Some of his numbers aren't worse based on frankly, just a lot of interceptions have been dropped um, that he could have thrown, but I'm just so encouraged by the mentality that he has. And it's kind of funny. Like he was, uh, I was the one who asked him the question after this week where he, you know, I was like, it seemed like you guys were down and out and he kind of interrupted. was like, no, 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 we're uh, never yeah. down and out. And that's exactly the kind of response that you want from your leader, your quarterback. And for him to kind of have that mentality, helping lead, you know, leading this offense, I think that puts him in a great position to be successful going forward. And Arthur Smith will say it. He'll he's a guy who doesn't make the same mistake twice. Um, all these little things that you hear about who he is to leads me to think that he's going to improve. Now, does he need to improve? Of course he does. But he's again, he's just very early on in his career. And uh, overall, I think for this Falcons offense, you you just hope to see kind of some steady improvement over over time. And you want to really kind of be peaking at those final moments. Like when this team went to the Super Bowl, um, that offense at the beginning of the year was nowhere near what it was, you know, during those final like eight games in the regular season, then going into the playoffs where they looked unstoppable. So yeah. I'm not saying that this team is going to be that, but I'm just saying that it's not what about what he looks like right now. And mm -hmm. um, if he does make mistakes, he might even make some mistakes that cost you a game at some point. But if he, if you can recognize over course of time that he doesn't make those mistakes twice, then again, I think you're going to be, in a really good position. Yeah, and he has had, I mean, some easy interceptions dropped, but by and large, like he's 
finished a lot of his games with a clean, I mean, he threw his first interception, career interception, right? So like, yeah. how many rookies do we see? Yeah, all right, they threw a touchdown pass. They threw for 280 yards in their first step, but there's like three picks. And yeah. he has not really done that. He's done a good job of of limiting the mistakes and kind of playing within the offense. And I think this year, his running, like the times that he's chosen to run the ball have been awesome. Like yeah. that has been an aspect of his play that he's doing exactly what I wanted to see is like, all right, this is where you pick and choose your spots to elevate the offense with your legs when you're the fifth option on a play, but you get that third and three and then you slide and then you keep going on the drive. So he's done those things really well while you were kind of talking. And I, I was thinking like the, with young quarterbacks, but especially with Desmond Ritter, whose MO has been slow starts. His MO has been kind of inaccurate wildly at times, just like mm -hmm. he'll have a throw or two and he could be in perfect rhythm and then just miss completely. I, I remember watching Jacob Eason's first season at Georgia where it was, yeah, in an, in each game, throw the ball 26 times. He would have four throws where you're like, that was an awesome throw. I see it. And he would have four throws. where You're just like, man, it, I don't, is it ever going to come together? And yeah. that's kind of what Desmond Ritter has been so far for me. And I got to say, the other thing that I'm impressed with with him, and you know, they've talked a little bit about this, about just kind of not getting too high or too low as a quarterback. But honestly, like a couple of those throws against Green Bay were, they were like so shocking, <laughs> shockingly bad that like fans are like, oh, and it almost creates this almost like kind of, it's like almost you can sense everybody cringing at the same time. Like, what the mm -hmm. heck was that? And it doesn't bother. Like, and then he comes out and he still is leading yeah. this team uh, to a double digit, you know, uh, fourth quarter comeback that was you know that he had a huge role in as for as much as he we did. talked about this team's running game like he completed some really big passes and i gotta agree with you there will too uh, and it's something that i was asking arthur and and des after the game um which was getting him more involved with his legs in this game against green bay i thought that it was something that was lacking against carolina i think for des it se certainly seems like something that that gets him into the game a little bit mm -hmm. um just from you know mentally and all that um, but I really think that, that it also just opens up some things in the passing game that we saw really take effect in that fourth quarter where he was able to have a lot of success in some different ways. I'm a big tennis player in my, you know, just own life in my spare time. And I kind of am the same way, like in a ten until I have my first long tennis point. Yeah, I just kind of am not in the match. But the yeah. moment that there's like that nine, 10, 11 shot rally where you're running from side to side and you're winded. And then I'm like, I'm locked in. I'm good. You to stop go. thinking you start to get in a flow state. Exactly. And that's what he has kind of a tennis player's mentality. It is that kind of, all right, you're not going to win them all. Some points are going to look really bad. You may double fault. It's going to all eyes are on you, but he does bounce back and he does kind of seem to so far respond in these big moments. I mean, head coaches are under the biggest spotlight when the game is when there's like a minute 13 left and they've got one timeout and their offense is driving and everybody's looking at the head coach like we are just waiting for you to use that timeout incorrectly and then we are going to eviscerate you for the rest of the week like <laughs> right. everybody's just looking at the head coach but the quarterback has got to be under so much pressure as well to execute every because the coach could make a decision in a split second it's got to be communicated quickly. It's got to then be telephoned into the rest of the offense perfectly, quickly, get them to the huddle. Like you cannot miss a single step in that process late in the game. And he hasn't. I kind of wish I had been there on Sunday. I was, you know, a family vacation, but I, I would have asked Arthur Smith. I think that point is like, how much did you learn about your young quarterback in this crunch time moments? And 
having multiple fourth downs where it was like, all right, are we, are we doing this? Are we going to let the clock run down? Like it got tricky there at the end. And I thought Desmond Ritter handled all of it beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, I, I can only imagine how this game would have gone last year, you know, and for mm-hmm. a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons, but this team just has something different to them. And it's something that, you know, Arthur told us during training camp, he was like, you know, this team is just has a different mentality. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, they added a lot of veteran pieces to the defense, uh, which helps a lot as well. But I think that what Des brings to the offense from his leadership characteristics, let's not forget the guy started like 50 games in college. So it's not like he's going to complete, you know, completely inexperienced. He's won a ton in his, in his collegiate career. And he has, seems to just continue to bring that mentality, that winning mentality to the professional level where this team was dealing with Marcus Mariota last year, who had gone through a lot of trials and tribulations and just hadn't really felt that kind of sustained success in a long time. And I think that he had kind of lost some of that confidence because of it. And I think that you saw the complete opposite in this game, especially against Green Bay in that fourth quarter. You saw the confidence kind of emanating from Ritter and he stepped up and made big throws when you needed. So, again, it was not perfect by any means, but... You know, it's one of those things where I I love the Green Bay performance more than the the Carolina one. And Carolina, it's like the stats show them as having three incompletions and uh, you yeah. know high quarterback rating and all that. But I thought that what he showed against Green Bay was so much more about what you want to what you want out of your quarterback long term. There was much more meat on that sandwich, yeah, against Green Bay for sure. Um, I'm going to give you a quick uh, compliment sandwich here about the uh, Atlanta defense and I was kind of doing some numbers and I was surprised by some of these, not surprised by others. So I'm going to give you three, two compliments and a uh, constructive criticism, or at least a concerning stat here. And you tell me which one you want to talk about uh, the most. So first one, they are ranked third currently in total yards per game and total yards per play defensively. And even better against the pass, they are ranked second in passing yards per play and per game currently on defense. So that's the first compliment or the uh, first criticism. They are 27th in sacks per pass attempt. Uh, the Lions, who they were playing on Sunday, have only given up three sacks so far this year. So they've got to get a little bit more juice uh, in the pass rush. But what else is new? Uh, and the final compliment here is they've pitched two shutouts in the fourth quarter and have played a huge role in helping the Falcons uh, emerge to an O. So which of those do you want to talk about, Joe? Well, in the interest of, uh, you know, wanting to solve football, I think we need to address the, uh, you know, the the criticism, I think the valid criticism of this of this team's pass rush. So let's start there. Yeah, I mean, I think that when they added the players this offseason that they did, the veterans, it was kind of clear that maybe they wanted this hockey line rotation, right, where you bring in some guys, you've got your pass rushing group, you've got your your base. I thought the way they crowded the line of scrimmage against Green Bay was really uh, unique, creative, impressive and kind of effective at times. Um, but there really has not been that true one guy to emerge yet. It hasn't been yeah. Grady. It hasn't been Arnold Ebicady, Clayus Campbell. You know, Caden Ellis got the one sack for Atlanta. And that was kind of just on a blown assignment by the mm-hmm. uh, the left tackle left there. So, guard. Yeah. Yeah, or the left guard. My apologies. But um, who, who among this group are you kind of looking at to, if there is kind of that flash, who do you think it'll come from? Well, it's a tough one, Will, because to your point, they're doing this kind of hockey line rotation. And when you look at that first group, the kind of the the ones, um, it there isn't really a, a fantastic edge rusher there. You know, you it's 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 
very stout against the run when you think about these guys and David Onyemata, Grady Jarrett inside, and then Bud Dupree and Clay's came on the outside. Um, but when you watch them, especially in person, it's just kind of like you watch the four kind of smush into the the, <laughs> the opposing uh, you know five linemen. And that's kind of it. That's kind of what we've seen so far. And and they they haven't really been able to create pressure unless they're bringing in some of these blitzers. Where to 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 and to be all to be fair, I think they have looked pretty dangerous in some of those situations, especially um, late in the game. And I think it contributes to mm-hmm. one of those those other positive stats where the shutouts in the fourth quarter so far. But but ultimately, you're going to need to have some more success earlier in the game, and you're pr- going to want to have at least some success when you don't have to bring those extra blitzers. Obviously, everybody says you want to try to get home with four. Re- the reality is that's not going to happen very often. But if you have a special talent that can do that, then that helps a lot. We saw it with Pittsburgh with TJ Watt with what he's yeah. done in his career. Um, but to get back to the hockey line point, I do wonder if they might shake up this unit at some point. I don't think it's probably going to happen coming into this week, but I do wonder if maybe you try to get a player like Arnold Evicati more involved to see if he can just give you something as a, as a pass rusher. And that's basically going to be predicated upon whether he's good enough stopping the run to whether he can kind of stay in that group when you're in some of your, your base formations, when you're kind of playing a lot of nickel basically um, so far this season. So I'm interested to see what they do there. I don't think that there is a clear solution. Like, obviously, if there was one guy who was like an edge rusher specialist, then we would be seeing and hearing his name a lot more so far. It seems pretty clear to me, like you can already kind of line up an edge rusher as being their first selection in the NFL draft <laughs> next year. It just seems like yeah, the most. Yeah, but I've been doing that for 15 years, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what the solution is going to be there, but I, I will be interested to see if they kind of if if they if this continues, if this persists and they do see it as a as a problem area for them, if they if they might try to shake some things up. And, and you know, for guys like uh, Arnold Ebicady and D'Angelo Malone, you do just kind of wonder what their what their future is in this Ryan Nielsen system because of how it's kind of been a, a, a pretty significant change and especially for the positions that those guys play is those kinds of three, four outside linebacker types. There just isn't really a natural spot for them in this system. So maybe they can find a a role by putting their hand in the ground, but they've got to, you know, make sure that they're not a liability in the run game. Yeah. Malone, especially is, I I don't think he's gotten a snap on defense. He's been a kind of a core special teamer, which can be valuable in the NFL. You can build a nice eight, nine, 10 year career, Mm -hmm. being just an awesome special teams player. So, Hopefully that's that's what he becomes. But I almost think that uh, unless like a player like Zach Harrison or Taquan Graham or, you know, somebody makes a jump that we just don't really see coming. The biggest improvement that I think will happen with this defensive line, and I do believe that it could actually lead to some real results as we get this season going along is the the stunts, the twists, the games mm. that they like to play on defense, which like an offense takes a little bit of time to get that rhythm down. You've got to rely and be in lockstep with guys to make that whole thing work. So when you say that there's just kind of like these fish pods of bodies like moving together and just like mushing into the offensive line, that is to me a signal that they're not there yet with the Mm -hmm. timing of some of these stunts and twists and loops and just the games they want to play. So if they get that locked down, maybe you see one of these games where they get five sacks and you're like, man, did they all just get better? And it's like, no, their their game plan was just really dialed in. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a totally fair and great point. 
Let's end with a quick look ahead to the Detroit Lions. Um, they are one and one, lost a pretty tight one, a pretty fun and competitive one against the Seattle Seahawks. We are recording this uh, currently on Tuesday, so no real injury information out from either team officially yet, but just kind of reading the tea leaves. Obviously, CJ Gardner Johnson looks like he's he's done for a little while now. And then you've got David Montgomery, who seems day to day, but like he said that he was probably going to be out for a few weeks. So kind of injuries aside, what are you looking at in this matchup? I think one of the biggest things is going to be, <laughs> I think this is going to be something to look at kind of in most games the Falcons are going to play this year is whoever is the specialty edge rusher for the other team against Caleb McGarry. I think the teams are going to continue <laughs> to identify him. They've got as, a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they have a, they have a decent one. They have a decent one. So uh, I was actually encouraged with what the Falcons did this week against Rashawn Gary and the way that they um, were able to be, well, Brian Burns is, is obviously a spectacular talent who they played in week one. They had some difficulties with him, especially in that first half. But even by the second half of that game, you could see them diversifying what they were doing in pass protection to yep. mitigate him a little bit. Make him make him um, stay home to protect on his own read or something like that. That just gives you that little extra bit of uh, edge against him that kind of takes away some of the explosive abilities. And I thought the mm-hmm. team did a lot better against Rashawn Gary. So I think that the team will be able to be creative and, and help McGarry, especially in some of these obvious passing situations. We also didn't really see Bijan Robinson in pass protection at all against Green Bay, where he graded out quite poorly um, against Carolina. Not that he's a bit bad pass protector, but I think he's still adjusting to the level of NFL. I don't athlete. want Bijan Robinson in this game to pass. Yeah, like it, that's no, true. Yeah, you don't, for sure. Put him out on the, like, let him make plays. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Um, so, that, I mean, I think that when I look at this game, like, that is one of the big matchups. And Brian Burns showed that if you do, if you are dominating in that matchup, you really can change the thrust yeah. of a game. And it just shows, again, how important that position is um, and how much that's the reason why we're seeing Nick Bosa and all these guys, Brian Burns will be the next one who gets one of these massive, almost quarterback level deals. So um, but it's going to be a really fun game, I think. I think both of these offenses are are exciting in their own ways. Um, I think that Jared Goff is going to be the you know the best quarterback, clearly, that they've played so far this year. So I think it'll be interesting to see how this Falcons secondary deals with him and, and the pass catchers that they have as well uh, are going to be a challenge. Although I do I do think they they still match up, I think, quite well with Detroit's pass catchers. I think that the Falcons will be a little bit um, they'll find a harder matchups against more burner types. I think they match up better with more bigger physical receivers. And part of it is because mm-hmm. they deal with that in practice. They're kind of more used to <laughs> yeah. going up against those types of pass catchers. So um, I think some matchups are pretty favorable for the Falcons again in this one. Um, but I think it's going to be a really exciting game to watch overall. If Jamison Williams was out there, yeah, that would be that a little would, bit yeah, of a, a, a good thing they missed challenge <laughs> yeah. for Atlanta. Right. <laughs> exactly. I That's totally exactly get you. Receiver yeah. Your point there, avoid. but you're right. Like, I, I mean, even though coming off of a, a game in which Jane Reed had two touchdown, uh, I do think D Alford like matching up on Josh Reynolds. That's, it's not a bad matchup for the Falcons. It's, you know, it's a pretty neutral matchup. Like I, I would not be shocked if Josh Reynolds makes a handful of play, but like there is no real, I think weakness for a, a good lions offense to exploit. But I, I do, before I kind of shared the one thing that I'm looking at, I, I want to touch on the, the offensive line point that you made because the Caleb McGarry 
concern is real. You know, if you're if you're a fan and you're you've watched him play two games now, you're like, all right, there's uh, three plays where it seems like he's just getting bull rushed right back into uh, Desmond Ritter's lap, which is not what you want from a tackle. But one of the other adjustments that I noticed the Falcons make, and it's it's not just you know, yeah, they're they're running some screens right behind Brian Burns, or they are doing that zone read where he's the assignment defender. Like you can manipulate a, a player's mind to slow them down just as mm-hmm. much as putting an obstacle in front of them. But how they put that obstacle in front of them got really creative and it stayed creative. And there was a play, I think, against Rashawn Gary uh, with Green Bay where Jake Matthews blocked down on essentially that that like three technique. And they had Matthew Bergeron just kind of step behind him and then kick out the end, Gary. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's you change the leverage block, change the right? And yep. you, you get a much easier leverage block on uh, an end if you have a guard who's maybe athletic enough to kind of step and, and cross around and counter it that way. So I wouldn't be shocked if, if Chris Lindstrom ends up on uh, Aiden Hutchinson a good bit in this game as well, and that'll help the Falcons a lot. Yeah, and that's just, uh, just to quickly add on to that. It's another uh, point that the Falcons have going for them in their favor is their offensive line is so athletic and yes. they're able to do so many things. Drew that Dahlman on like that ways. trap against yeah, yeah. Carolina was so cool. How yeah. he just pulled from the center position. It was like a lead blocker who yeah. then traps Brian Burns for that big play for Bajan. Yeah, the, the athletic offensive line is a huge benefit. But I mean, to go back to kind of Detroit's athletic wide receivers, Amara St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, you know, Josh Reynolds, Sam Laporta, like these guys are going to be a problem for a lot of secondaries. But I've been so impressed with Atlanta's secondary so far. I don't know if it's just the addition of Jesse Bates. It's probably more the addition of Jerry Gray. But A.J. Terrell is playing really well. Uh, I hope if they get Jeff Okuda back, he's kind of my X factor in this game. Obviously, yeah. a former Lion. I'm not saying that that's going to mean anything because these this team is totally different than the one that he was with originally. But just the confidence now that I kind of have with this secondary that I, just after two games, I'm kind of like, all right, yeah, like I have no real reason to feel this way. They have been the two teams they've played have been missing kind of their number one receiver. But the moment I mean, that that pass breakup in the end zone, man, when AJ yeah, oh, Terrell just perfect. waited for him to flash his hands as soon as he did was just like, boop, it knocked the ball out. Didn't get like, any better than that. Was like, he made it look so couldn't. easy, too. That's how you know it was, it was so good. Technically, it was, it was just because it looked so casual. Yeah. And so a play like that, that's just like confidence technique, trusting your coaching. So that is going to be such a fun matchup because Jared Mm -hmm. Goff at home, this offense at home is kind of on a different level than they are when they're away. Uh, Detroit's, I mean, so how does Atlanta's secondary kind of hold up against its first real, real test away from the confines of Mercedes-Benz Stadium? And I think if they pass it, that almost like, I'll be more confident about this defense than maybe if they got went out there and had like three or four sacks. Like, because I just feel like this secondary play would be confirming something that is sustainable long-term. And overall, I'm just interested to see how this team is able to execute on the road. Will they be the same? Yeah. This team has not been out of Atlanta for like five or six weeks. They have not left Atlanta since the Miami game, the Miami preseason game. They had the two preseason home games uh, after that, and then two home games to start the season, obviously. So um, we'll be interested to see, you know, do penalties creep in? Do any of these, just kind of the the natural home field advantage that you get or Mm -hmm. the road disadvantage? Does that come into play at all? I think that's going to be a big test for this team, but you know, they've, they've set them up in a great spot, obviously. A lot of confidence built through these first two wins. So hopefully they can carry it forward into, into Detroit. Well, you have, uh, you've set us up in a great spot to go into this game armed with all the knowledge 
we need to watch it appropriately. Joe, I really appreciate you taking the time. Please, a uh, couple minutes here, tell the fans where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me um, on Twitter X at JAPatrick200. Um, you can follow the station, of course, 929 The Game is my employer um, at 929 The Game. Uh, and also, you can just follow me or follow. You know, everybody there, we're talking football all the time, basically. Now <laughs> now it's football season. It's like we're Falcons uh, hardcore. So you follow the station, I would say, on YouTube as well. And since this is a digital platform, um, we're always like posting clips and stuff, especially of Dukes and Bell um, talking Falcons almost every day. So you can catch some content there. And um, of course, you can catch the games um, whenever they're playing. You can hear it, the play-by-play action live on uh, 99 The Game. This was so much fun, man. We will have to uh, do it again soon. For sure. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on, Will. It's, uh, honestly, it's, a, it's an honor and pleasure to, uh, to join you and talk football. All right, that will do it for today's show, which, as always, was presented by Bet Online. A big thank you to Joe Patrick for stepping in and joining me to break that all down. A big thank you to you all for listening and watching uh, us on YouTube. Check out Believe in Falcons. Like and subscribe to the uh, channel. Please Spread the word if you can. Um, Ovi and I will be back bright and early Monday morning to break down this Falcons-Lions game, everything that happened. Hopefully the Falcons can emerge with another victory, um, but definitely be on the lookout for that. And then turn it right around and go into London. I got to figure out what is going on with this like Toy Story animation game uh, because I kind of want to get creative with something involving that, but that's going to be wild and crazy. I'm not really sure if that's a good idea. Are, are we sure? Are we sure that's a good idea? I'm not. Anyway, that is what we've got in the immediate future. I really hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I really enjoy doing them. So until next time, everybody, take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.